This sermon was recorded at Church of the Ascension, an Anglican parish in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, whose mission is to be a worshipping community that equips God's people and shares Christ's healing with a broken world. For more information, please visit ascensionpittsburgh.org. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we come and we thank you for your word. And Lord, we recognize that there are things that are hard to hear. There are rebukes, challenges that your word has put in front of us this morning, Lord. And so I just pray that you would give us hearts that are soft to hear what it is that you want to say. Where we need rebuked, Lord, rebuke us. Where we need encouraged, please encourage us and fill us, all of us, with your love and your hope. Amen. Today is World Mission Sunday. It is the Super Bowl Sunday, but it is World Mission Sunday here, now. As Archbishop Foley Beach put it in his recent letter to the church, this day, World Mission Sunday, offers us a chance. A chance to consider what each of us can do to advance the kingdom of Christ around the world. A chance to consider what each of us can do to advance the kingdom of Christ around the world. Because that is what we are called to. Each and every one of us, no one here is exempt. Whether young or old, rich or poor, sick or well, the life of a Christian is, having seen the light, to live our lives in the light and in doing so to be the salt and light in the world. As Father Jonathan said last Sunday, Jesus is not saying, this is who you should strive to become. He does not say you should be, you could be, you ought to be. He says, surprisingly, you are. You are the salt and the light of the world. This is who we are. This is our identity, the very identity that the Apostle Paul is challenging us to grow up into in our reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Here we are listening in on a letter between the Corinthian church and Paul who has learned that they are not doing so well. Just read the book. Their worship services were chaotic, dominated by individuals seeking to speak in tongues or share words of wisdom with little to no regard for the chaos that they were bringing into a community. Some members were openly having sex with temple prostitutes, one man with his own stepmother. There was all kinds of confusion regarding how they should live their lives in the public sphere, whether they should eat meat sacrificed to idols, and yet with this incredible plethora of problems at hand, Paul begins his letter by addressing division among them. The Corinthians, whose culture placed a high value on wisdom and one's skill at an, as an orator, they were dividing over which of their spiritual leaders, the spiritual teachers they were going to follow, they were going to submit to. I follow Paul. I follow Peter, I follow Apollos. To which Paul responds in our reading this morning, you are acting like children. 
For he writes, as long as there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not fleshly and behaving according to human inclinations? The Corinthians were so caught up, so bound up in worldly thinking, that they were unable to see that the way of life that they considered to be wise was foolish. They were immature. Compare the Corinthians in their immaturity with Paul and Apollos, mature leaders in the faith. Paul and Apollos, they were not competing for followers. No, Paul says right here, the one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose. And each will receive wages according to their labor. And what was their purpose? Their purpose was to see the Corinthians grow up in Christ to see them press into the unfathomable depths of what it means that we are in Christ and he is in us. To see this reality, the reality that Christ, that we are in Christ, that his spirit dwells and lives in us, to see that reality shape how they live and how they love in all that they do. The issues of chaotic worship, sexual immorality, and food sacrifice to idols, those were downstream. The real issue, the root issue, was that the Corinthians were immature. It was that they were failing to grasp their identity in Christ and all of the countercultural ramifications of that. Now, it's easy to sit here and just take shots at the Corinthians. But I think that if we're really honest, many of us would have to admit that we look a lot more like the Corinthians than we would prefer. Like the Corinthians, we get too caught up in worldly ways of thinking. We're less shaped by our identity in Christ than we are by the values of the community and the culture that we are a part of. We, like the Corinthians, can be immature. So what does this have to do with missions? Well, when we are immature, we miss out. We miss out on the opportunity to partner with God in the growing of his kingdom. When we're immature, we miss out on the opportunity of God to partner in the growing of his kingdom. Again, consider Paul and Apollos as examples of mature followers of Christ. Paul and Apollos, who, as we read in verse 9, and I believe it's the ESV translates, saw themselves as God's fellow workers. What characterizes these two in contrast with the Corinthians? Well, number one, they are aware of the needs of those around them. They are aware of the need of the gospel of Jesus, the power of God to bring life in places of death. Number two, they are willing to then lay down their lives for the good of those they serve, that others may experience the life-changing good news of Christ. They plant, they water, they give of themselves. And number three, they understand their role while remembering that it is ultimately God who gives the growth. 
All three of these attributes, they flow out of Paul and Apollos' understanding of who they are in Christ. They flow out of their identity as those who are in Christ and whose, whose Christ is in them, right? Christian maturity not only begins, but is sustained by our understanding of what it means that we are in Christ and his spirit is in us by understanding that we are his beloved. By grounding our very identity there. And it's as that glorious reality saturates all of who we are, we grow in those same three markers of maturity we are more aware of the needs of those around us. We see opportunities to give of ourselves, to plant and to water. And as we give of ourselves for those around us, we remember that it is ultimately God who is working, who gives the growth. Sisters and brothers, we are the salt and the light of the world. A world in which so many people will live and will die never knowing their God. Never knowing the love of their God that, that propelled him to become one of us. To take on flesh and as we pray in morning and evening prayer who stretched out his arms of love on the hardwood of the cross that all might come within reach of his saving embrace. The need is real there is a world longing for the life and the light of Christ. The opportunities are all around us. So where might God be calling you to plant a seed of hope, a seed of life? Perhaps it's the call to slow down and to actually see those around you, your kids, those at work, your spouse, to let them know that they are so loved by God and that they are even loved by you. Perhaps it's in offering food to the hungry, belonging to the lonely, refuge for the broken. And perhaps God is calling you to go. To go and to work with refugees on our southern border. To go and to teach at a school like St. Andrew's in Thailand. To go and to live and bear witness to Christ in a place like Afghanistan, where it's estimated that Christians make up less than half of a percent, which means that somewhere around 2.9% of non-Christians would even know a Christian. Where might God be calling you to go and plant? Where might God be calling you to water? to pour yourself out to see others grow in their understanding of who they are in Christ, to partner with the Spirit to help others unlearn those worldly ways of thinking, of feeling, of living, and instead to help them to see the good news, the life that is offered to them in Christ. Perhaps it's through a kind word, perhaps it's through a gentle rebuke, Perhaps it's just inviting people to be a part of your community as you and your brothers and sisters in Christ live out your faith, live out your identity. The opportunities to plant and to water, they are endless. But, but that does not need to overwhelm us. 
that ought to fill us with great joy. It ought to fill us with joy because we have been chosen by God. Chosen to be instruments of his hope and his healing in this world. And as we plant and as we water, God does bring growth. He produces life. For some impossible to believe, or nearly impossible to believe reason, he has chosen to bring about life where you and I imperfectly plant and imperfectly water. He chooses to work in and through you and me. In a moment, you're going to hear the testimony of the women who went to, or of a few of the women from here at Ascension who went to Thailand, who went to Chiang Mai to visit and to serve at the church and the preschool there. We're going to hear their own stories of seemingly small roles that they played, that the Lord used. We're going to see as the pastor of the church there in the video and as the teachers at the school share how they daily respond to this call to plant and to water, to love and to serve. This is a chance for us to hear how our brothers and sisters are planting and watering, to hear how the Lord is giving growth all around the world, but it's also a chance a chance to consider what each of us can do to advance the kingdom of Christ around the world. He chooses to work in and through you and me. How glorious, how lovely is that? Let me pray for us and then I'm going to invite Father Jonathan forward. Heavenly Father, we thank you First and foremost, we just thank you for your love. That you have stretched out your arms upon the hardwood of the cross. That we have come within the reach of your saving embrace. Lord, grow us up in the faith that we may love and serve you in a world that desperately needs you. Amen.